We're going to be talking about what it means to be connected to the vine and to bear fruit today. So good morning. We are today wrapping up a brief three-week series that we called I Am Jesus, taking a look at three of the I Am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. If you're new to us, part of the reason that's so significant is that in the Hebrew language, I Am was, of course, the very name of God Himself. You go back to Moses saying to God, whom shall I say is speaking? And he said, I am that I am. I am the one who causes all to be. Uh, I am. And so when Jesus used I am and said, I am the good shepherd, as we looked at a few weeks ago, that was important. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, as Paula preached about last week, very important. It caught their attention in their biblical ears of those days, the biblical times in which they lived. It's also important to catch our ears and to remember that Jesus wants to be the light of your world, and you need to be a light for Him in your world. And then today, we're going to close with this third one. We're going to talk about another one of these key I am statements that Jesus made in John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. That statement alone, just getting right out of the box today, just getting that verse in front of us, is a powerful statement. It's very dramatic. I believe when you hear Jesus say, you stay in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you do nothing. Wow, there is so much clarity there. That is the key to living the Christian life in an exceedingly brief, teachable moment. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. Before we dive in full speed today, I want us to take a bit of a deep breath together. It's been quite the week. I don't know how your week went for you. Mine got off to a pretty good start. And I would say ours for a church got off to a good start. Last Monday evening, your personnel committee was here for a number of hours doing interviews via Skype with candidates literally from around the world and had a wonderful night of clarification. And we are moving very, very well. I'm excited to think that it's likely that they'll have a final recommendation for our new student ministries pastor in the next few weeks. We, we, are, we are trusting God for that. Ask you to keep praying for us along those lines. Then on Tuesday, some of you were kind enough to remember. It's okay. It was not a, a big deal. We don't, we don't do this every year. But some of you actually sent me a note and said, Pastor, I know that today is 27 years. The 15th of May was my starting date at the church when I was hired 27 wonderful years ago. Uh, 27 (laughs) wonderful years ago. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, I mean, uh, let's understand when you applaud, I know that you're applauding as much for the people who've put up with me that long as as, as much as you are for me still be here. Uh, And then the celebration continued. Many of our families, not just ours, but many families in the church family are celebrating uh, their young people going through college graduation ceremonies. I am certainly one of those incredibly 
proud parents, but I am by no means the only one. It's been great seeing pictures on Facebook and hearing stories. We celebrate with you all of our college grads. So I see some of you around the room today, even though you're trying to hide from me at this very moment, terrified that he might make me stand up. No, I will not do that to you. All right. Those are all great things that happened this week. It wasn't all sweetness and light. Yet another school shooting. This one down in Texas, 10 innocent people shot dead in their schoolhouse in Santa Fe, Texas. Yet another heart-rending experience for parents, for teachers, for administrators, for their city, state, and of course, our nation. Reminds me of that Bible verse, the people cry for peace, peace, but there is really no peace. Our prayers and our hopes for meaningful and appropriate action are with the teachers and the school children across our country. That's a lot to face, a lot to deal with. So, some difficult moments. But there were other moments of sweetness and light. There was that lovely wedding celebration that I know many of you saw between two of the loveliest people you might ever hope to meet. Of course, I'm, I'm talking about John and Chris Comerford. I don't know who y'all thinking about. John and Chris celebrating 30 years, and may I just throw in that tomorrow, Mary Beth and I mark 30 years together as a married couple. God bless her. She has managed to hang in there. And then there was, I heard there was another wedding, Harry, Megan, somebody, um, Really, all best wishes to them, and let's give some kudos to Bishop Michael Bruce Curry for what so many of us thought was an outstanding word, and can we just say a ridiculously challenging situation in which to preach. I mean, you, you get invited a lot of places to preach. That, you know, when I go and preach at Steve and Cindy's church, it's, 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 you know, it's not intimidating in that sense, but it's pressure. You know, you feel, you know, they're my friends. They've put me up there. A lot of the folks don't know me that well. You know, you're, you're, man, I can't imagine this guy. He's speaking to the world, and what a timely and great message. So all kudos to the bishop. Um, he may not be in my denomination, but I, I got the, the feeling he knows Jesus. I'm with you. I am with you, brother. Go get him. He did a great job. Speaking of pastors, uh, tomorrow, Pastor David returns. I heard from him this morning. He sent his prayers for the church family as we gather this morning to worship. And uh, so we'll look forward to having him back next week. And as for me, in celebration of that aforementioned college graduation and that aforementioned wedding anniversary, now I go on vacation. So David gets back, I'm out the door, Paula gets her turn this summer. You'll get to hear more about that later. Uh, God, God is good, amen? He provides. Uh, and I just want to say a quick word of thanks to all of the folks who have helped over the past three weeks. You know, uh, I think we've said several times, you know, David, David made, this is the longest vacation he's ever taken from a church. And you might really think this sounds weird, but it's true. There are a lot of pastors who are, are very afraid of what will happen in their church while they're gone. Now, Steve carries a gun most of the time, so he's not too worried. You know, he's down in Texas in that open carry state. But, 
I've never been to church with so many guns as I was when I went to that church a few weeks ago. Uh, but uh, David will be back with us, and uh, I'll be taking off, and I'm looking forward to having him back. I'm glad he felt like he could take three weeks, that they could enjoy Europe. Most of you know I think that Deb's grown, a couple of her grown kids live over there, so they were able to take a nice long vacation. We are so glad for them. And you have behaved well. You have helped so much. We've not had to interrupt David one time with a business call. I thought Fred Marks was going to create trouble for me playing around with Salmonella, but he got, he got better. So we're, we're grateful for that. So, uh, but but uh, seriously, for the people, I, I didn't even know yesterday, I get an email from our janitor. Now, our janitor's here two days a week. He was here yesterday morning. Saturdays, he comes in about 4.30 a.m., and he works until about 9 o'clock. So he sends me an email about 6. And, and just you have to know, Mr. Cardenas and I have been friends for over 20 years. And so uh, I, I, when I speak of him, I, I speak like him. He's a, he's a pastor. <laughs> pastor, there is something, there's an alarm going off here at the church. <laughs> and the alarm was going off because a rainwater had come in and hit one of the alarm signal panels. So he walked in, the alarms were going off, and I just want to give kudos to Dave McCoy and the gang. They came and fixed it, and they never sent me a word. If it hadn't been for Mr. Cardenas, I would not have even known. They protected my weekend with my graduate daughter. So I thank you, PFM folks, for your work. We appreciate uh, the seriousness with which you take your job. So, been a good three weeks. I'll see you in about three more after today. Okay. I uh, want to get back to our subject for today, talking about the true vine. And as so often happens, if you really want to study the Bible, shall we add one word? Well, please, please, study the Bible well. And when you do, you find that to contextualize the statement, to understand the time in which it was written, what was going on, what people would understand about the passage. It makes the passage, which is already dramatic, it's already powerful, but when you understand a little bit more about vineyards, when you understand a little bit more about vineyards in biblical times, in areas like Israel, then you understand even more. So let's, let's take a look at that. And when you understand it in the context of the timeline of Jesus. So let's understand what's going on here. The passage for today is found in John chapter 15. But the question you should always ask, what happened before that? And what happens after that? So when you go back to John 13, you discover this little thing that we like to call the Last Supper. So Jesus is sitting down with his disciples at the Last Supper. Why do we call it the Last Supper? Because it was the last supper that Jesus partook of on earth with his disciples before he went to be crucified. Arrested and crucified comes over in chapter 18 after this time. So let's think about it. Last Supper, chapter 13, arrested, crucified, chapter 18, we're studying from chapter 15. What does that mean? This is the table talk. This is the last conversation, the last teachable moment that Jesus has with his disciples. I mean, after the Last Supper, he's going to go out in the Garden of Gethsemane in just a few chapters, he's going to be taken away. 
what we have in between these two things, these final great teachings from Jesus. So you think about it, right? I know most of you in this room. You're thoughtful people. You care about your friends and your family. If you knew you were going to have one last supper with them, would you give it a little thought? Maybe a lot of thought. Would it be just fritter, fretter conversation chatter? Or would it be something meaningful? The most important things that you might say. Would you leave it to chance that they're going to remember the most important things you've taught over the past three years? Or would you want to seize one more moment to kind of summarize that up in some succinct ways? You might want them to know. You might want them to remember some life lessons that you want to make sure have been clearly imparted to them before you check out. I, I think we'd put a lot of thought in it if we knew it was our last time. And this is the context into which Jesus says, given that moment, a chance to think about it, knowing it's the last time, what does Jesus choose to say? I am the true vine. You abide in me, I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> wow. Wow, that really sums up so much of what he has taught previously of how he has lived, walked, and talked amongst them. So let's refresh ourselves on why being connected uh, to the vine uh, is, is so important. And, and if you'll just pardon me, I, I brought in some very expensive props for today. And uh, this, is, this is my tree. We're going to call this the vine. Now, did one of the singers make off with my glass of water? Thank you, Mike. He didn't know it was a prop. He thought somebody just forgotten it up there. All right. So here's a vine. We'll call it the tree. We'll call it a vine. Now, let's just, you know how when you go to a movie, you ever watch a TV or TV show? This, this is my experience at my house. My wife will turn to me and say, now how could that actually happen? And my answer to her is, honey, it's a TV show. It's a TV show. So this is what we call the theater of the mind. You must engage your imagination a bit. So this is not an artificial tree. That would be another sermon. I've only got time for one. So this is our vine, and if you were at a distance and saw this green plant, lots of leaves look like it's been watered recently, maybe somebody cared enough to fertilize it, it's doing well, you think, okay, when the time comes, there, there's a decent expectation that these branches are going to bring forth fruit or flowers or whatever it is that this particular vine, if it's a vine, it's going to bring forth some grapes in its season. It's got what it needs to do that. That's a good vine. Now, there's this other thing laying down here, and when I look at it, I discover rut row, it has become detached. 
Now, for the moment, it's still somewhat green, but I can already see how the leaves are starting to crinkle up from lack of being attached, right? I can already see that this is dry and dead where it broke off from the tree. And by the way, no trees were harmed in the creation of this illustration. This is prime property from our own church parking lot. It happens all the time. So you see, there, there is zero chance, right, that this thing is going to bring forth any kind of fruit. It's not going to have any flowers. It's not going to bear fruit. So here you have a choice, connected to the vine, not connected to the vine. A, B. Which one should we be? Does it sound like the optometrist A or B? This one better or is this one better? Well, of course, we all know this one's going to be better if it, if it were a real tree. We've suspended our imagination. We've said, okay, so it's, it's the real deal. Uh, it, it actually has hope. That's a, that's a true vine. It has life in it. This is a good thing. And one day it will bear much fruit. Now, when Jesus spoke these words, one of the other key words he used, in addition to vine and branches, he, says, he said, I am the true vine. Now, there's only one reason why you would say, I am the true vine. Let's check your logic capabilities here, church family, because there is the possibility that there are false vines, other vines, not quite so true vines. And there are things you can do. We do this sometimes. We, we, we try to figure out some way that we can connect to something else. We think, oh, gee, you know, it's nice to be fruitful, but I'm not sure I, I like all this stuff. Um, maybe what I can do is, here, let me just do this. Oh, water brings life. Water is good for me. <laughs> and, and gee, it sure seems like it's convenient you know, I can get it when I want it. I can just put this thing there. But this isn't going to work. It might, it might actually keep this thing a little soggy, but it's not going to put life in the vine. This tree is not going to grow. It's not going to bear fruit. You can connect to the false thing, but over the long haul, it's not going to produce for you. And oftentimes, we are like this detached branch. We, <laughs> And it's not going to produce fruit, I'm telling you. We're like this. We're not like that. We're not grounded. We're kind of running around out here. We're trying other things. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't know. I don't believe any false gospel. I've always believed in Jesus. Let me just ask you, have you ever had a thought like this? You know, here's what I know. I'd, I'd really like to be in church with my family, but I know if I put in some more hours on Sunday that I'm going to get a promotion this year. And that'll help me climb one more rung up the ladder and a little more money in my pocket. You know what that is? That's trying to bring life from a false vine. It's not going to bring it to you. It might bring what it promises, a step up the rung of the ladder. It might bring you some money, but it won't, it won't make up for the time of your family. If I just had the latest phone, 
Oh, this, this iPhone 5 I've got is so out of date. I need the 8, the 9, the 10, the X, the Y, the whatever it is. False, false vibe. And you might say, well, pastor, nobody thinks a phone can save them. Uh, it's just what the phone is symbolic for, right? Just like this artificial tree is symbolic of something, just like this lousy little branch is symbolic of something, those technology glitz and glimmers, they're just symbolic of all the little shiny pennies, we call them, the little shiny penny things that catch our eyes, we think, oh, let me try this vine. Let me try this. If I can just get this, I'm going to have the fruit. If I can just get enough followers on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is, then, then I have a certain status. We think that's something good. It's, it's just a false fleeting vine. We do these kinds of things because we want other people to think, well, you know, we've got it together. We, 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 we've got this all figured out. And, you know, even here at church, we do that, right? We like to appear that we have the perfect family. We have a perfect home. We have the perfect life, even though on the inside things are a shambles. And I want you to remember, Jesus is saying, don't, don't, don't do it. Don't waste your time trying to attach to the false vine. I am the true vine. So, why is it so important to stay connected? Well, it's right there in chapter 15, verse 5. And Pastor David did us a big favor right before he left. He preached a one-point sermon. I essentially have a two-pointer for you today. There are a couple other blanks on your page, but it's really about two simple points. Here's the first one. Why is it important to stay connected to the true vine? Because staying connected produces fruit. John 15, verse 5. We want to just let that verse sink in. I'm the vine. You're the branches. You remain in me. I in you. The same brings forth much fruit. But apart from me, you can do? Say that with me. Apart from me, you can do? Nothing. Nothing. So if you want to bear fruit, you have to stay connected. God wants this verse. God wants this teaching. Trust me, if Jesus taught this in that last couple of hours, in that conversation, that final conversation with his disciples, I am quite sure he wants this to sink deep into our hearts. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. But not just any old kind of fruit. All right? We had a wonderful reading of the Scripture here just a few minutes ago, and it talked about a couple different kinds of fruit. We want to have Jesus' fruit, the kind of fruit-bearing that matters. Galatians 5 is where we read it from, and if you want to mark that down, if you've never memorized this part of the Scriptures, this is a great passage. Today, we started in verse 16, but there's just that special part that says the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Now, I don't know, you look at those words. I'm thinking, man, that is really good stuff. If you said to me, Eddie, I have two kinds of people for you to meet, connect, spend time with. One group is marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know what I'd say? I don't need to know a thing about the second group. 
That this is the this is Jesus' fruit. This is who you want to be spending your time with. It's who you want to be becoming. The good news is you don't want to just pluck this from others. You want to provide this to others. And Jesus says, look, if you abide in me, you will bear this kind of fruit. Now, some of you sitting here looking at that list, and I know exactly what's in your mind. You're thinking, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, uh-oh, maybe semi-humorously. Sometimes a little self-disappointedly, we kind of beat ourselves up sometimes a little too much. But maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, it sure is easier to bear bad fruit than it is to bear good fruit. It feels like when I think about my life right now that I've got more bad fruit hanging off of me than I do good fruit. Maybe you struggle with anger. Maybe things really set you off easily, and it's damaging your relationships, and it's driving you crazy. And you think, why can't I just get over this? Or maybe it's a selfishness runs around inside of you, and you're you're sick of it. You're tired of it. And you think, I, I, want to get, I want to get rid of that. I want to stop just being focused on me. Or maybe it's some type of lust problem. And, and you want to get that out of your life, but you just can't seem to get rid of it. And you're, and you're thinking, I'm, I'm trying. I want to do what's right. But I'm having a real problem. I'm bearing the wrong kind of fruit. Here is the deal. Jesus said, if you remain in me, and I remain in you, you will bear much good fruit, and much fruit, and he's meaning the right fruit. That's what Jesus is saying. If, if you're looking for a fruit forecast, there's a 100% chance that Jesus will fulfill his word. He always has. He always will. He didn't say, if you remain in me and I in you, you might get lucky and bear some fruit. He didn't say that. He didn't even say, if you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear some fruit. He said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear, you will bear, you will bear much fruit. That's the promise of Jesus. The kicker, though, is, right, that beginning phrase, I abide in you, you abide in me. So when you live in times like we are living, the culture in which we're living, even when we have friends and family who are walking away from God, we continue to pray for them. We continue to pray for them. We continue to remain in God. Even when a dear friend that we've walked with walks away from the gospel, we abide in Christ. We don't say, well, gee, I guess you're right. Let me just walk. No. You remain connected to the vine. That's critical if you want to bear much fruit. What kind of fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Stay connected to the vine. Now, if you're on your notes page, here's the second thing. The first one, staying connected produces fruit. The second thing is the inverse, right? Being disconnected 
produces nothing. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You said, well, I don't know about nothing. I did this, this, this. Yeah, no, it's nothing. It's what the Bible calls wood, hay, and stubble. It doesn't have any eternal consequence. It just gets burned up. It's valueless. You can make a giant mound upon it. You can build, as Jesus said, bigger and bigger barns. But if it's not the right thing, if it's not the right fruit, it profits you nothing. It produces nothing. And as a matter of fact, here's what Jesus goes on to say in verse 6. If you do not remain in me, such a branch is going to be picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. It is not a good day to be this branch. Out there disconnected from the vine, trying to find all kinds of other things to fill in, to connect with. Apart from him, you get gathered up, thrown into the fire, and burned. When we are not connected to him, nothing is produced. And let me just say this for Christians. Every illustration breaks down. I don't need anybody who says, well, but pastor, I, I know that if I'm saved, that salvation is for eternity. And just because I mess up and wander off, uh, I, I'm not necessarily thrown into the fire of hell. Yeah, I, I, that may be the case, right? I mean, I, I believe in the eternal security of the believer. But, but let's just understand something. When you get disconnected from the vine, all kinds of crazy stuff begins to enter into your head. And one of the big things enters in is legalism. And you say, oh, I'm not a legalist. I believe in grace. Yeah? Well, what did you have to say about your neighbor last week? What did you have to say about that guy around the corner from you or the person down the pew from you? Because what happens is we begin to become judgmental and legalistic, and we say stuff like this. Well, did you hear so-and-so had an affair? I, that's never going to happen to me. They're just, that's just terrible. And then, boom, you find out that soon that person or somebody very close to them is in the exact same situation, and you find yourself saying something like, what happened? How did I end up here? Or maybe this one's a little more common for folks, right? You see a kid misbehaving. And what do you say, parents? Well, when you're young and naive and it's child number one, you say, I never let my child act like that. And all the parents who've had two, three, and four, they're going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. We get judgmental. Or we say, so-and-so, you know, uh, they're nice people, but, you know, he, he's always putting his, his work ahead of his family. Uh, I'm never going to do that. And then you find some other way to get distracted. And before you know it, you don't know what sports team your kid's on, what the name is, who the coach is, when they last played a game. Uh, you don't know. You just, and, you, and you wake up and it's all done and you say, how did I end up here? Well, you got disconnected from what really mattered. Friends, I've been in ministry now 40 years. Here's what I can tell you about this. Anybody is capable of anything when they are disconnected from the vine. I got some amens. Let's hear it again. Maybe I'd do it like that preacher yesterday. Anybody is capable of anything when you are disconnected from the vine. 
I say that. That's me. That's Paula. That's Pastor David. That's Everett. It could be the soloist that sings before us, the instrumentalist. It can be anybody in the church building, anybody outside the building, folks. Everybody is capable of anything when you're disconnected from the vine. This is important. So let me just end with a couple of hints. How can you stay connected? How can you stay connected to the vine? Well, there's some real obvious ones, right? I think we'd all know if I did a quick survey, how many would think reading the Bible is a way to stay connected? Raise your hands for me. Okay, very good. Very, very good. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. How about prayer? Think prayer is a good way to stay connected? Yeah, yeah, well, we got that. How about maybe as I drive to and from work, I, I listen to or I just sing myself one of the hymns or one of the praise songs that we sang in church? You think that might help you stay connected to God a bit? Yeah, 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 yeah. How about a cup of coffee with a friend when they help hold you accountable to a path you've been going down and you're not so keen on hearing what they have to say? Yep, yep, yep. That's a good thing too. Yeah, see, this is, this is what happens. Or how about a sunrise when it breaks over the mountains or the lake or the ocean and you just connect to the God of all the universe. That's a way. How about looking down at that little baby sleeping in a crib or maybe crying in the nursery, <laughs> you know, but you know that God is blessed to have this new life, you see. And in the world we live today, I, I need to say this, when you see people running toward the terror crisis instead of just running away, first responders, yes, policemen, firemen, yes, but also just average everyday people, teachers who take a risk to help their students, people who do things to help their neighbors. It's absolutely amazing. Staying connected to the vine, letting Jesus things, the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control flow out of you. So how do you stay connected to Jesus? First of all, you do what Jesus says to do. You do what Jesus says to do. Jesus says in John 15, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. You keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And I love the way Francis Chan talks about this. Some of you are familiar with him, great, great pastor leader. He, he says, you know, when you talk to people about doing what Jesus says to do, are you with me? He says, it's like working with a child and you tell them to go clean their room, right? And they disappear for about 10 minutes, and then they come back into where you are, down in the living room, living room, let's say, and you look at them, and you say, did you clean your room? I memorized exactly what you said about cleaning my room. Thou shalt clean thy room. I, I memorized it. Yeah, but did you clean your room? Well, I, I called some of my friends, and we did a group chat, and everybody agreed that it was perfectly justifiable that you would ask me to clean my room. But, but did you clean your room? And then I went to church, and people prayed for me that I would clean my room. But did you clean? And then we went to a seminar at a mega church. And they taught me how to clean my room more efficiently. But did you clean 
your room. So, see, here's where I'm going to help Pastor Paula. You ever had a small group pastor say to you, I think it's time for you to think about launching a small group? And you come back, oh, yeah, I, I believe in small groups. I, I believe in the importance of small groups. Yeah, see, Cindy's also a small group leader. So, yeah, this is how it works. Oh, I memorized a verse about small groups. I went to a conference about small groups, but I, I just, you know, I'm not, I don't make the time to really be in one. Here's what I'm saying to you. Go clean your room. Go clean your room. Whatever it is God is telling you to do, get off your keister and do it. Do what Jesus says. Here's the second thing, and this is the big kicker. You got to love like Jesus loves. Here's what I figured out this week. It was not original with me. A friend of mine wrote this. He said, do notice that when Jesus says, I want you to love one another, he didn't stop there. Because, you know, when you say love one another, I get to choose, right, what love is, and I do it for you. And when I'm done, I'm done. But that sneaky Jesus, here's what he said. He said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Unconditionally, bottomless pit of love. It's a different world, folks. Do what Jesus says. Love like Jesus loves. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. But if you abide in him and he abides in you, you will, we will bring forth much fruit. Let's pray together. So, Lord, we hear you speaking in a critical conversation with your disciples 2,000 years ago. And we know that you are speaking truth to us still today through those very same words. We bless you for it. We thank you for the miracle of the Word of God. We thank you for the eternal quality of what's involved there. That it's not just good for a day or a moment, but it's good for a lifetime. So we thank you that you are calling us to be fruit bearers to live as you would have us live and to love as you would have us love. You are our master, our savior, our redeemer and friend, and you are the true vine. Help us to stay close, closely connected to you. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.